whoa, a lot has happened since I last released an episode. Things have changed quite dramatically. I left March 1st from Montreal to go to a meditation retreat in Colorado and go visit some friends in California. And when I left the retreat, all hell had broke loose. So I'm holed up right now in Taos, New Mexico, which is my new home for the month, if not the foreseeable future. And I'm just learning to breathe and to sit with the discomfort that is inherent in life, especially so now. And to come back to the present moment, not to live in the past of what I should have, could have, would have done, and not to live in the fear of the future of what's happening out there and what my relationship's going to look like and how my family's doing. I can't live there and I can't live in the past because those two things don't really exist. What exists is here, now. This breath and the next breath. And this is a great time to focus on the present moment and taking care of ourselves and of our loved ones in whichever way we know how to. It's going to be tough for a long time. And we are resilient and we will adapt. We always have. (sighs) That's all I have for now. And I will continue to support you all in, in whatever way I can. And for those of you listening, it's this podcast. And for those of you on Instagram, it's my IGTV videos and my free love advice. And if you need more than that, I have a few things that might help. In April, I'm hosting the Healthy Communication Workshop Tools for All Relationships. If you want to learn how to speak up for yourself without pushing people away, how to ask for pretty much anything, including love, sex, touch, space, respect, your needs, your desires, how to bring up hurtful behaviors in a loving way, how to say no with love. That's what we'll be exploring in the Healthy Communication Workshop Tools for All Relationships. If you want to sign up, it starts on April 9th. It's online and you can go to thelovedrive.com forward slash healthy communication. I've also dropped my coaching rates, discounted them by about 20%. So if you need some support one-on-one from me to help you with your challenge, whether it be with intimacy or sexuality or your relationship or the fact that you're not in a relationship and that's really hard, go to thelovedrive.com forward slash coaching to learn more and to sign up. And finally, as a thank you to anyone who has ever financially supported my work, whether through coaching or through the workshop or through a monthly donation, I'm inviting you to the Lovebird Club which is a private community for folks who value love, trust, and intimacy. That's a place for us to connect, to share about what's going on, to share about our struggles, about our joys. And as part of the Lovebird Club, I'll be hosting a weekly call, Zoom webinar style, where we will break out into groups. We will check in on how our heart is doing. I will share with you what I'm working on currently, and I will answer any questions. So if you've ever given me a dollar, you should have received an email. And if you haven't, send me an email, sean at thelovedrive.com and request access to the Lovebird Club. And if you want to become a monthly contributor because you value this work and you want to support me in continuing to do this work, 
then I invite you to become a contributing member by going to thelovedrive.com forward slash the lovebird club. I am doing what I can to support you all. And if you're not in a position to financially support my work, that's fine. This podcast will always be here for you. And my IGTV videos and my posts and my free love advice in the stories will always be here for you. Okay, here is the intro to the episode. And a lot of people haven't done that work yet because their whole identity is built around who they think that they need to be or who their family taught them they should be or what society has told them they need to be in order to be loved, right? And so being single is like this amazing opportunity to go, okay, what's actually true for me? Who am I really? What do I actually want? What actually makes me happy? What am I holding on to that isn't true, that isn't serving me? What can I let go of? This feels like an apropos conversation for today. How to be peaceful and happy while being single. And how to sit with the discomfort of being alone. This conversation isn't just for single folks. Because we talk at length about how to be in right relationship with the emotions in our body. And that feels particularly important these days. We also talk about how to do the work while being single to set ourselves up for happiness in a relationship, the importance of getting our needs met outside of our primary romantic relationship, how sex can activate some of our old attachment wounds, and the power of service when you're feeling down, giving back as a way of getting out of your head and out of your story, and how to lean into love. Heather Pinnell is a guide, healer, facilitator, and co-founder of Rising Woman. I'm grateful for this conversation because we need to learn how to take care of ourselves before we can take care of others. And we need to be able to lean on ourselves and lean into love first. You know, it's that damn oxygen mask. You put the mask on yourself before you put it on the other person. And that's what we're all being asked to do. We're being asked to take care of ourselves, especially if when we're in isolation and cocooned at home away from our loved ones. We're being asked to tap into self-love and resiliency and self-compassion in a way that we have never been asked to do. And I firmly believe that you got this. We got this. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. Heather. Hi. Hi there. Could you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Heather Pinnell. I'm the co-founder of Rising Woman. And I'm here today to talk with Sean about all things being single. My God, there are so many single people out there. 
A lot. And a lot of them are very sad and unhappy being single. I've been very sad and unhappy being single. It took a while for me to get okay with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I myself have, you know, not been in a serious, committed, monogamous relationship in about four years now and have gone through all sorts of emotional waves throughout that, that whole process, but have now found a place of actually feeling really peaceful with being single and happy being single, actually. And that in no way means that I'm avoidant of relationship because sometimes people assume that, you know, if you're happy being single, it must be that you don't want a relationship at all. But it's quite the opposite. I'm very open to relationship, but I'm also not pining or striving for one anymore. And you said you've been single for a little over four years? Yeah, that's right. And that to a lot of people could sound like a really long time. It really could. And they might hear that and go, oh my gosh, I feel so sorry for her or what's wrong with her. Or, you know, that must be so hard. And I remember when I was in my early 20s and I knew this woman and she was in her early 30s and she was single. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, that must be so hard to be in your early 30s and not be in a relationship. And now here I am, 32, not in a relationship. And I actually see how beautiful that is and how funny it is that I looked at that and had this fear. And now I'm living it and overcoming that fear and seeing that it's not so bad at all. What's so beautiful for you about being single right now? Well, a lot of things. But I would say that the biggest is really coming home to myself and building a stronger relationship with me, as well as a stronger spiritual connection. So I have... um, I have a lot of different practices, but I, I've been recently really digging into A Course in Miracles and doing some Buddhist practices. And it's really helped me develop a stronger connection to what I would call source or spirit, or some people call it God, whatever it is that you know you want to name it. I feel like I'm in clear and right relationship to that as well as to myself in ways that you know can be very distracting when you're in relationship, especially if you have certain patterns and attachments that are activating, kind of looking away from yourself. And now I'm actually looking inward and and looking to this deeper path, this deeper calling. And it's really created a lot of inner peace that I never had before. I think being single is a phenomenal opportunity to do that work. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean that you can't do it while you're in a relationship. Of course, you can always go inward. That said, like you said, there are certain dynamics certain structures or behaviors or emotions that come up when you're in relationship that can maybe distract from this work. Also, this idea that like when you're really, really lonely, like you're only left with yourself. And you're left with the loneliness and really allowing that feeling and being with that feeling and you know, becoming curious about that feeling even. And when we're in relationship, primarily romantic relationship, it's very easy when that feeling arises to turn towards the other and to seek to them to remedy that discomfort. But when we do not have that relationship, we're really invited to be with the discomfort. And when we're with that discomfort, we learn so much and we actually have the capacity to move through it. And sometimes that's really the work is being with the discomfort of being human and the suffering that is part of that, you know? And when we have these things, whether it's a relationship or some other, you know, distraction, you know, even addiction at times can take us away from really being with these uncomfortable aspects of emotions in life. 
So being single can really create space for us to to be with all that is. You said that sometimes that's the work, you know, of sitting with discomfort. And I think that mm-hmm. all of the time, yeah. that's the work. <laughs> it really is. Of sitting with discomfort because often I feel myself and still do looking at or reaching or or grasping for external sources of validation or comfort to make myself feel better when I'm uber lonely or distraught or disappointed in myself or my life or just not happy where I'm at. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to either sex or dating or food or drugs or alcohol or exercise or Netflix or whatever. Whatever it is, I'm going to reach out for something other than sitting with discomfort because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, and it can stir up a lot of fear. And we're living, you know, whether it's your family system or even the cultural system where we've been fed this belief that being happy looks like status, it looks like money, it looks like the perfect relationship, you know, being that power couple looking a certain way, acting a certain way. It's all of this, you know, idea of what happiness is. And a lot of it is like chasing something that you will never actually attain. And sometimes we need to do that process. We need to go towards the thing that we think will make us actually happy and will provide us inner peace to discover it's actually not there. And that's okay. And there's no shame in that. That's part of the learning process. But we also have the opportunity especially now with the access to information that we have, like we live in such an interesting time where we can learn that, you know, maybe looking inward and looking towards building a better connection to myself, I will actually be able to find that inner peace that I'm looking for in relationship and in the comfort of food or in the comfort of anything external where, you know, inevitably we discover it's not really there. Mm. I like this idea that when we focus on self and ultimately just like get okay with who we are, right? Like that's sort of the underlying thing is that there's this feeling or fear of inadequacy that I am not enough. Mm -hmm. And so if I get the relationship or the job or the money or the car or the thing or the certain amount of followers for me, it's 10,000. I'm almost there. (laughs) I will finally be okay. And you and I, and people listening right now know that you have strove is that the right striven Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think strove (laughs) strive strived strived for something that you thought would make you you feel better and you got the thing and you realized it didn't make you feel better Mm -hmm. right and so there's this forever grasping and forever reaching to fill the hole of not being enough. And, you know, you were talking about source and God and, and higher power, whatever, something that isn't like a behavior or a substance or a thing, just like sort of love, right? Like the Mm -hmm. source of love, like I am enough, which means that if I fully really believe that, then I will understand why I'm grasping and struggling. I won't necessarily stop grasping and striving for to fill the hole, but I'll know why I'm doing it. And I've kind of got to that point recently where I just realized that when I feel down or depressed 
or distraught or super sad, I reach for things. And before that, I didn't know that that's why I was reaching for things. I just, I just mm-hmm. reached for things. Now I know that I'm reaching for things and I don't, I don't beat myself up about it. I just reach for the thing knowing that it's a temporary source of comfort mm-hmm. and that it's the best that I can do right now. And I do that in addition to sitting with the discomfort. So I try not to numb out completely and mm-hmm. to have some space for the discomfort and uh, the little mini Cadbury chocolate eggs <laughs> that are so popular these days. Yeah. And that's the thing is that there's, it's not as if we now have to focus solely on the discomfort 110% of the time. It's okay to give our nervous system a break. It's okay to, you know, indulge in certain pleasures that do create a sense of comfort and to, you know, push ourselves into uncomfortable places. But it doesn't mean that we have to stay there always, that life has to feel like a struggle all the time. It doesn't. And actually, we find that the more comfortable we get with discomfort, the less uncomfortable it is, Mm. right? So as you sit with an uncomfortable emotion, and you breathe through it, and you're spacious with it, and you allow it, you don't try to change it, you just accept it, you embrace all of it, you realize that nothing bad actually really happened. You know, maybe you felt some tightness in your chest or some pain or pressure in your stomach, but you're still okay, right? Mm. and you're still alive, you're still here, there's still so much potential for what your life could be in this moment. And the more that we do that, the less afraid we are of that discomfort. And then, of course, the less uncomfortable those things become. So it's really a practice of leaning in, being with it, and then also loving yourself throughout the process, whatever way that looks like. Mm. I love all that. Yeah. I I love that, that the more you experience it, the more you realize that you're not going to die and that you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And the more you can trust that you'll get through it this time and the next time. Exactly. Uh, I just recently had some really, like a, a one super sad week where I thought that I was grieving the end of my relationship. Mm. And it was really sad. And also there was something really beautiful about just letting it all come up and and sitting with it and actually encouraging it to come up, right? So like listening to sad songs, reading sad books. I started reading Conscious Uncoupling. I was reading Susan Piver's The Wisdom of a Broken Heart. I was like really like diving in to the sadness and it wasn't painful. Like it was sad, but there was a quality, there was sort of like a lightness to it. And it just felt good to get it out because if it doesn't come out, it'll come out some other way. (laughs) I'll get sick. Exactly. Or I'll get anxious or I'll something, something will happen. But when I just allow it to do what, what it needs to do, the sadness usually about, about being alone or about losing a relationship, just letting it happen, then it just kind of like, it goes away and it comes back and then it goes away and it comes back and it goes away and it's easier and easier every time. Yeah, you know, I like to use the, you know, visual example of imagine emotions are held within a cup of water in your body. And the more that you hold on to them, the more the water fills the cup and eventually it starts to overflow. And that's when we have things like emotional outbursts or we, you know, road rage because we have all of this suppressed anger that we haven't felt. So when we're in right relationship with our emotions on a daily basis, to the best of our ability, there's less of a chance that we're going to experience this moment where 
our body, our psyche, our soul just needs a release, you know, and it sort of happens whether we like it or not. And so there is a benefit to that practice, that practice of what you're talking about, like letting yourself feel it, let it come out. It's not actually going to harm you. It's just energy moving, you know, and we kind of get attached to this idea that we are our emotions or we are our thoughts and we are our feelings, but we are not that. It's just an experience that we're having. It's not who we are. So again, letting go of the identification with it can allow for more ease to just let it flow. You know, instead of making up meaning and story and building this whole thing around, oh, well, I'm an angry person or I'm a sad person. It's no, I'm just feeling anger right now. Sadness is moving through my body. Yeah. Or what about I'm a single person? Yeah. And and I'll never find love again. Yeah, that story, you know, and that and that's a really painful story to be living in. And, you know, I've definitely experienced various aspects of that story in my own life and moved through it. And to be honest with you, I don't know if a relationship will ever show up in my life again. And I, I've had times where, you know, my friends have said to me like, oh, I don't worry about you. Someone will show up. You'll be okay. And I thought to myself, you know, what if I could be okay right now? You know, what if I don't have to vision some future possibility of someone showing up in order for me to be okay? I actually could be okay right now. And what does that look like? And the more that I inquired about that within myself, the more I discovered what that actually looks like, you know? Mm. And, and it's funny because to think that, you know, I'm a single person, what does that even mean? It's this idea that we're not in relationship but we're always in relationship. We're in relationship with ourselves. We're in relationship with our friends, with our, you know, employees or employers or our family, or even with God or a higher power, you know, we're always in relationship. And so whatever we're wanting or yearning from in that experience is available to us now, if we open ourselves to it, and not just hold it like needing it to be in that container of romantic relationship because there's so much out there available for us if we let go of those constraints. And people want the romantic relationship mm-hmm. so much. I mean, I I get it. I want it too. I mean, I've built my whole work life around love and and a big part of that is romantic love. Is that special union, you know, Marianne Williamson talks in um a return to love about the special person, you know, the special relationship and how we regard it. And we put it on a pedestal as, as higher than any other relationship. <laughs> yeah. And that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of pressure also. Yeah. To the relationship and to the other person. Yeah. And, you know, I teach a lot about, and, and I love that you're into relationships too, because there's so much learning there for us. And I know that every human out there you know, primarily is drawn into relationship. It's such a powerful teacher. And one of the things that I teach a lot about is what we call conscious relationship. Now, what does that really mean? Well, conscious relationship is not looking to the other to fulfill you, to complete you, to make you whole, but again, looking to a higher path, a higher purpose, a higher power, your higher self, and the relationship being a means of moving towards that, Mm. moving towards truth, rather than relying on each other to, you know, ease the pain or ease the loneliness or solve our problems. It kind of takes away that 
myth of the one, you know, that special person who's going to come in and save you. Because for many people who are in relationship, you may know that, you know, in every relationship, there's going to be pain. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be this magical, mythical thing where someone comes in and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're happy, whole, complete. You never feel sadness again. You never struggle again. It's just not true. Finally. But yeah, I know, right? Finally, <laughs> I, can, I can just be now. I don't have to worry about all of that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and it might happen, you know, you go through the honeymoon phase and it sort of feels that way for a while, but inevitably all of our stuff will come to the surface again. No, don't start perpetuating that lie. I know it's a lovely idea, but really when you think about it, like the truth of it, can you imagine what it would be like if we were actually reliant upon someone else for our happiness? Well, it's not a good strategy because people are, I don't want to say unreliable, but they're kind of unreliable. Yeah. You know, especially if we're putting that as their job, right? Their your job <laughs> is to keep me happy or to make me happy. Well, it, you're going to be unreliable because you have your own life. You've got your own desires, needs, fears, boundaries, moods, whatever that are subject to change at any time and so do I. And so how could I possibly make that your job? Mm-hmm. On top of everything else you already have to do. Yeah. And it's not enduring, you know? It can be taken away whether through the relationship coming to an end or even that person passing away, you know? No, no, it's- don't start telling people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just the truth, you know? And and that doesn't mean that we can't be in relationship or we have to avoid relationship and being in relationship is bad. Of course it's not. Being in relationship is beautiful. And of course, like, you know, that magic of having someone and sharing your life with someone and you know, doing the work with someone and all of these things, it's its beautiful. And if that comes into your life, embrace it. You know, it's there for a reason. It's there for a teaching. It's there for a healing. It's, you know, it's in your life. So work with it. And if it's not in your life, work with that, mm-hmm. right? Work with whatever is there because all of it has beauty. All of it is love. All of it has something to offer you as long as we're willing to look and see what's there. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> all, all of your relationships will end. Yes. Mm-hmm. The only one that you can count on is the relationship with self. Yeah. That's the only one you're going to have for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And being single is a perfect opportunity to nurture that relationship. You know, like exactly. get to know yourself. I remember someone saying, I don't even know me. I don't even know what I like. And being single is a perfect opportunity to start building the kind of life that you are proud of on your own and doing things that make you feel good, right? Identifying what are my needs? What do I need to feel safe, happy, fulfilled, ecstatic, whatever? And then finding ways of getting those needs met. And you can get your needs met in a variety of different ways that don't include a romantic relationship, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's your job. Your job, you, not you, Heather. Well, you, you, Heather, also, but me. Y'all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all is to find ways of getting your needs met, a variety of them, so that you don't have to place undue importance on one particular relationship. Absolutely. And, you know, having that time of being alone and even figuring out what that is 
can really set us up for actually having healthy relationships. Because what would it be like for people to actually be happy now when they're single and then enter in relationship with that happiness? You know, it's it's like the person coming in is contributing to the joy that is already there. You're not reliant upon them for that. And so then you can actually make decisions, make choices in the relationships more clearly because you're not in this sort of addictive, codependent dynamic with them where you don't even know who you are, what your boundaries are, what you want. All of that is very clear for you. Mm. And so you can actually relate with that person from a place of, here's me, here's my life, here's my joy. And if that is in alignment with your life and your joy and who you are, then let's share that together. Mm. But if it's not, then that's okay. And us not being in relationship doesn't mean that I no longer have that. And so, you know, and it also is this amazing opportunity to deepen relationships with people, you know, like I have a lot of male friends that I have dynamic, intimate, beautiful connections with. And of course, no, they're not sexual because they're my friends. But the the value of those connections, the love, the the sharing of, you know, our lives together is so beautiful. And I think a lot of people miss out on that when they're in relationship, they kind of get into this cult of two, or they think that they can't be friends with the opposite sex because it always turns into something sexual or it has to be that it has to be a relationship. And being single has allowed me to develop all of these dynamic friendships with all types of people. And you and I both know that you can have friends of the gender which you're attracted to Mm -hmm. and not have sex with them. Yeah. You could even have sleepovers with those people and not have sex with them. Mm -hmm. You can do a variety of intimate things, emotionally intimate, even physically intimate, and not be in relationship or have sex with them. Mm-hmm, exactly. I have a friend, we have sleepovers. Mm. It's totally fine. We give each other massages. It's totally mm-hmm. fine. We don't have sex with each other. Yeah. We don't make out. We're not in love, but we're, <laughs> but we're friends and we love each other. And it's not a threat to my relationship. Yeah. So there is a way of cultivating these kinds of relationships. And th- this is an example, a perfect example of how I'm getting some of my needs met outside of my relationship. Mm-hmm. which means that there's less pressure on my partner to meet all of my needs. Mm-hmm. And I would obviously not expect her to anyways. Exactly, because having that much pressure on one person and even that belief that someone could meet all of our needs is going to lead to you know, disappointment. Well, they could if it was their full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Like if they were, that's all they did all day was like make sure that my needs are met, it's possible that they can meet of most of them Mm -hmm. yeah even then it's like typically in most relationships there's always going to be something that that person isn't for you something that you know you want to experience that isn't a character trait or quality that they possess so there's tons of humans in the world there's so many potential for so many different types of relationships and that's the beauty of that it's it's allowing that, that rather than expecting one person to be your all and your everything I'm going to switch gears real quick. Yeah. What is a person to do if they have sexual needs and they're single? Mm-hmm. What, I mean, what have you been single for a while? I'm assuming, actually, I'm not assuming. Have you been celibate this whole time? No. No. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do, do you have sexual needs that you had to have met somehow? Yeah, I have. Um, How did you navigate that? 
So there's been a few different things. For a period of time, I had a lover. And for that period of time that we were engaged in that relationship, it worked for me because at that time, I didn't actually feel the need for more from him. We had a really beautiful friendship and it was clear what our relationship was and what it wasn't. And it lasted for the length and duration that it needed to and has come to completion. But at that time, that was what was meeting my sexual needs. And of course, I've, you know, I've had shorter relationships with men and explored sexual intimacy with them. And then, you know, later found out that it wasn't quite a fit. But at this time, you know, interestingly, for whatever reason, and I'm just trusting the flow of it, my, it's not that I'm not a sexual person, or I don't have a high sex drive. But I'm not feeling a really strong pull in that direction in this moment. Mm. I'm able to actually utilize my sexual energy in different ways. So, you know, I'm an artist, I'm a writer, I dance. There's a lot of things that I do where I can actually feel, you know, that, you know, that kundalini energy, that sexual energy moving through my body in a pleasurable way that doesn't actually have to look like sex, mm. you know? Yeah, and I do know. Yeah. And if, and if you are a person that, you know, you feel like you have a strong sex drive, there's a lot of energy there and it needs to be utilized. There are a lot of amazing teachers out there who practice, who, who teach practices where there's, you know, things like yoni massage and, you know, conscious masturbation techniques. And, you know, even if you do want to just masturbate, then masturbate, enjoy it, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but if you are going to engage with someone sexually, it really can activate a lot of our attachment wounds. Mm. It's, you know, I think that people don't realize how powerful sex is sometimes and what it can activate and what it can amplify. So if we're going to move into sexual relationship with someone, we need to be really aware of what is this? What is this connection? What are we both committed to? What are we both seeking? What is this for? You know, and if there's a lack of clarity around that on either side, or one person wants something that the other one doesn't, then it might not be the right fit to explore sexually with each other. Oh, I think that's really hard what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Having the awareness of what you're wanting, what they're wanting, whether it's a good fit, what's who's available for what. And if there's not, if it's not a good fit to not move forward, mm -hmm. I think often we let arousal drive the show. Absolutely. And I get it because it's a really powerful energy. And if you're not aware of that, then you might think that you actually want more than just sex from this person. But arousal kind of takes over and you've got those arousal colored lenses on and <laughs> they look better than they actually are or they look more available than they actually are. And they might even tell you they're not available and you might not actually be listening to that because you're hoping that Maybe if we have sex, this will turn into more. I know they're saying that that's all they want, but I bet that <laughs> it can be more. I've heard, I hear this like time and time again. But yeah, that, that does happen and there's various forms of it. And I, and I think that, you know, what I'm really trying to convey here is that if you end up in a situation like that, which I've ended up in situations like that too, you know, various forms of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's, again, it's part of our learning. Sometimes we need to get messy and experience it to discover, okay, maybe that isn't the right thing for me, mm. or this doesn't actually feel good. And, you know, that even happened with my lover. I, there was a turning point where I realized, you know what, this isn't actually fitting what my true desire is anymore. And that's okay. 
And did it feel uncomfortable when I came to that point of realization? Absolutely. Is there pain involved in that? Absolutely. It's not comfortable when we have to make change, you know, all of the the feelings and the emotions of discomfort arises, but that's okay. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. And and I'm embracing that as an opportunity to be with more. More discomfort. Yeah. Again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's never gonna end. It's not like, you know, we have a realization and all of a sudden we have no pain anymore. We have no relationship conflict anymore. You know, it's it's part of the journey. These things happen time and time again and often lessons repeat themselves because we're not done learning them yet. Yeah. But again, there's no shame in that. Yeah. Yeah. The pattern will continue to show up until you learn or move past it. Yeah. Until but, you're fully complete with it. The universe will continuously give you opportunities to repractice and repractice. And also, I found the universe will somehow sneakily test you. Mm-hmm. When you think you've moved past something and that you're now finally ready for something more engaged, right? Okay, I'm not going to do the thing that, you know, I'm not going to sleep with them on the third date because the pattern is that I sleep with them and then they're not available for a relationship and they lose interest after the third date. So I'm not going to do that again. And then you are, are tested. You know, you'll find another situation where you'll be faced with having sex on the third date and you'll be like, well, maybe it's different this time. Mm-hmm. continuously the universe just like continuously provides oh yeah always <laughs> and challenges and, you know yeah and and if and this is the thing is that some th- these tests we have this concept of we either fail or pass it and i think we need to drop that mm. and recognize that if we're tested and we make that choice again that that's okay too that's again a part of the learning because some part of us thought you know Maybe this time will be different. And we wanted to find out. We legitimately wanted to explore and see, is it different? Maybe it is this time. And so we try it out again. And maybe it is, or maybe it isn't. But we needed to have that experience to find the answer. For many of us, you know, life is very experiential. We need to actually touch the hot burner to find out that it's hot. (laughs) And maybe we need to do that 10 times before we're kind of tired of touching the hot burner. And we're like, all right, time for something new. But there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's a part of it. It's part of the journey. I love this idea of self-compassion, right? You're mm-hmm. exactly where you need to be. You're going through it. It's okay if you keep acting in the same way. And I don't want to use you uh, making a mistake because I don't believe in mistakes. Mm-hmm. I really don't believe in mistakes. I, I don't think, you know, there's a saying, there are no mistakes in God's world. They're just experiences that you learn from. And the only mistake is to not learn from your experience, right? If you're continuously doing the same thing over and over and over again, you're not learning from it. Well, that might be a mistake. But like <laughs> you said, that's just where you're at. That's You need to touch the hot burner over and over and over again until you get tired of it, until you realize, oh, wait, when I, when I touch this, it hurts. So mm-hmm. I'm going to stop touching it. Exactly. And that's where, you know, embracing where you're at. So if you're single, embracing that. Embracing the discomfort of it, embracing the emotional experience of it, embracing the times where you feel that longing for partnership or you feel loneliness. Or if you're in relationship, embracing the times where you feel like you want to get out, you know, where it's really scary, or embracing the times that you're really happy to be there and you're enjoying it. Whatever it is that's happening, it's really leaning into it rather than away from it. And through that, so much beauty can come. And you know, I'm just thinking about embracing being single. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And also, it's okay to be sad. Yeah. It's okay to, to be sad and to wish to be in relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's perfectly natural and normal it to, really to want to really, be in love. Yeah. It's, I mean, one of life's greatest pursuits. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to be sad and to to really want something and to really wish for it to happen and also to accept the fact that you're not in it right now. Yeah, and and that's normal like you say like so many people that are single are feeling a lot of sadness and by feeling through that sadness so much can open up, right? Like I like I said I've been in this for just over 4 years now and there've been been many times where I felt very sad about it and other times where I felt totally at peace with it. And sometimes, you know, I wake up and I'm like, man, it would be really nice to have a partner to share this day with. Mm. And that's okay. Whatever it is that's coming, that's that's part of what I think makes it more peaceful is just allowing what is in every moment with it rather than pushing against it. And that takes the pressure off of needing to be somewhere else or needing to be someone else, you know, and getting into those thought loops where you start thinking, oh, I'm single because... There must be something wrong with me. And and there's not. This is a time of learning. This is a time of love. Every every moment is a time of love. And even in the struggle, love is present. You know? So it's about embracing what is and being single, like you were saying, like it's such a powerful time to really go inward because we do have that spaciousness and we are experiencing the lesson of, you know, what does it feel like to not be in romantic relationship? Uh, yeah, this idea that because you're not in a relationship, you're broken or there's something wrong with you is both it's wrong and you can always work on yourself. Mm-hmm. There was one relation. Okay, so I'm going to self-disclose here. Mm. Single for the last seven out of the, or for seven out of the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the love guy. couldn't fucking piece it together either. I just couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. Mainly because I, I, it's like you're when you're, it's (laughs) when it's like you're in the box and the directions on how to get out of the box are on the outside of the box. Like I just didn't know how to get out of the box. And there was one relationship that, that basically saved my life. And that was the one with my, with my therapist. Mm. Um, We worked together on a weekly basis for two years on all of this stuff, on feelings of inadequacy, on eating my emotions, on uh, not feeling worthy of a relationship, of a career, on family stuff. Like, you know, we just like cleared out a bunch of shit mm-hmm. that was getting in the way. So I wasn't broken, but I also had some work to do. And being single allowed me to do that work in sort of a low stress environment. Yeah. Because relationships can activate. I mean, they do. They will activate your shit. Whatever, your old wound, your core wound, your mother-father stuff, your feelings of inadequacy, all of that stuff is going to come up. I mean, relationships are made for that shit to come up so that we mm-hmm. can work on them and process them and move past them. But sometimes when there's too much of it, a relationship is not the right move. It's not like a romantic relationship is going to flood it's going to flood me with the amount of work that I have to do. And so for me, seeing my therapist once a week for two years, that was, that was the relationship that I needed to get through the stuff that I needed to get through so that I could have the space 
and the willingness and the desire and the capacity to enter into a relationship without getting flooded. Yeah. And I, I really hope that everyone really heard that and let that sink in because I've had a very similar experience where, you know, the last relationship that I was in, I was actually in the work, you know, doing conscious relationship work with that partner and, you know, had built this idea in my mind that I had, I had it figured out, you know, here I was with a partner that I was wildly attracted to. We had a great relationship. We lived together. It was going really well. We were talking about a future. Paradise. Yeah. Some paradise, right? In my mind that I was very, very attached to. And I allowed that relationship to bolster my self-worth. You know, I thought that because I had that relationship that I was okay, like I had figured it out in life, you know, and that everything else, you know, building my career, all of these things would just be in addition to the like golden ticket that I had, which was this relationship. Mm. And then, of course, that relationship came to an end. And at that time, it was totally devastating for me because I had wrapped so much of my self-worth wrapped up in that. And when that came to an end, I had to really look at myself and look at these unresolved patterns, these unhealed traumas, these wounds that just came flooding to the surface. And fortunately, you know, similarly to you, I was already engaged in um, work with a transpersonal therapist. I was in a program and I continued to deepen my work with that teacher and go deeper into myself and to really confront what was coming up for me. And so that relationship ending, I really can look back now and say, wow, that helped me build a really healthy relationship with myself that I would have otherwise not had. Mm. You know, and I'm so grateful that it happened when it did. There's so much perfection in the unfolding of that. Mm. And was it uncomfortable? Oh my gosh, it was the worst. You know, the pain was, it felt almost unbearable. My anxiety was just out of control. But I navigated through that, you know, and I, I don't see myself ever having that same experience again, because I know now that my worth is not dependent upon a relationship. And if I, you know, allow myself to believe in that, I'm inevitably going to end up in that exact same position again, because my soul knows that that's just not true. And so, leaning into the, the work, the self work, getting support from you know, a trained professional, a therapist, somatic therapist, these people can really help us to start to unhinge all of these patterns that are actually, you know, inhibiting us from having having a healthy relationship at all. Books are great. Podcasts are great. Instagram accounts are great. And sometimes that's not enough. Yeah. I mean, a trained professional is really, I mean, I'm just pro-therapy. I really am. Yeah, for sure. And for me, it's an investment. It is an investment in myself, my present self and my future self and all of my relationships. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not easy to pay for. I understand that it can be cost prohibitive for other people who don't have the means. And if I had less means, I would find a way. I would make some serious cutbacks to make sure that I can continue to do the work that I need to do. Yeah. And I, you know, when that happened to me, I, I didn't have a lot of money then either, but the work that I was in was a group program. Yep. So it was once a week for three hours, a group container, which was actually really profound because there were people in the room that would activate certain triggers or who reminded you of 
you know, people in your life that mm. you had unresolved trauma with. And I learned a lot by witnessing other people's healing and other people's transformation. So it doesn't have to look like a one-to-one session once a week. It can look like a group therapy chamber where, you know, you're diving in and maybe as things shift, you start to be able to set aside money for one-on-one sessions. And that is something that I did and I committed to because I knew that that was the most important thing for me at that time. So, you know, if I had to cut back in other areas, I did because that was, it was really what helped me find a sense of ease and peace within myself again. If I could, I would do therapy over buying clothes for the year. Yeah, for sure. You know, like there's so many things I would rather, I'd rather do therapy over a lot of different things just because I know how valuable it is. And also hats off for doing any sort of group work. I don't think... I mean, (laughs) I'd have a really hard time in group work. (laughs) Really. I mean, you're talking about other people activating your stuff. Like I've, I've seen it done. I've been activated in group stuff before and it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's also an option for sure. I'm just reminded of this quote, like you are, fuck, I don't know who it's by. You are perfect just the way you are. Mm -hmm. And you could use a little work. Yeah, I mean, we all can. And I think that that's a matter of the fact that, you know, we're here having a human experience, which means that we've forgotten the true nature of who we are. So we're all in a process of remembering, which means we're all here to learn. And that's okay. Shanrui Suzuki. I totally butcher that, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Author of Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Yeah. Yeah. Each of you is perfect the way you are, and you could use a little work. Oh, you could use a little improvement. Yeah. And you know, in, in Buddhist teachings, they talk about the three jewels, which is the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. And we can look at that from the perspective of the teacher, the teachings, the community. Yep. So having a therapist, someone who has walked the path. Oh, there's that my a dog, dog shaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my little buddy. Um, so yeah, the Buddha is someone who has walked the path, who has, you know, gone through these practices and can help guide your, you know, your thoughts, your thinking back to a healthier way of thinking and perceiving and viewing things and relating to yourself and others in a healthier way. So that's the Buddha, somebody who's actually walked the path. And then the Sangha is the teachings, uh, sorry, the Dharma is the teachings and the Sangha is the community. So a set of teachings, a path to walk, and then a community that can support you, that you can connect with, that you can, you know, get together with on a regular basis, who's also working on themselves, who's also engaged in that path, in those teachings to help bolster you in times of need. I can't stress enough the importance of community, especially yeah. when you're not in a relationship. I mean, just all the time, all the time, even in relationship. People that you see on a regular basis that kind of check in and ask you how you're doing in a variety of different contexts, right? So for me, it was, there's right now, currently there's badminton, right? So a whole bunch of people that play badminton. We see each other a couple times a week. There's the organization that I volunteer at that I'm taking a break from, but I see those people once or twice a week. There's friends that are outside of those two. There's family. There's people that I exercise with, like climbing or snowboarding. Like There's all these different ways for me to reach out to a bunch of different people and to see them on a regular basis that makes me feel less alone. Mm-hmm. And all those people have a variety of different relationship statuses, right? So I can see it in practice. I can see other people not in relationship as well. And we're, you know, we're just kind of trudging along and we're keeping each other company and we're 
checking in with each other and we're having dinner and we're like asking each other how, you know, how's your heart? How are you doing? What's coming up for you? What's sad? You know, what, what are you, what's exciting in your world? It's so important. I cannot do this alone. I just can't do it alone. And I'm not going to wait around for someone to come in and feel all of that because it's too much. Yeah. And, and by developing that, when we do get into relationship, it's really important to maintain it. Because again, it, it's this idea that someone can come in and complete you and make your life perfect and happy and whole. And when we put that pressure on someone, we will be disappointed, right? So we need to maintain relationship with the community at large and have those connections outside of the relationship because as difficult things come up in relationship, it's not actually healthy to be processing that with that one person all the time. Mm. There are a lot of things that we can process with a community, with our friends, where we can you know, move that energy or reveal some of our fear-based thoughts and actually move it without needing to bring it to our partner. Yeah, I have a buddy in San Francisco. <laughs> I was in a really traumatic relationship, not in any like abusive way, just unavailable, completely avoidant. I was anxious and together we were just a mess, you know, just a mess of attachment nightmare. Really, really, really bad. I couldn't ask for my needs to be met. I didn't even have the language. She was just would cancel at the last minute, would drive me crazy. (laughs) Anyways, my buddy Bob would say, call me. Yeah. Call me and show me the dysfunction. All the crazy shit that's swirling around in your head, call me. And share that with me before you share it with her. Show me the dysfunction. Yeah. And oftentimes just talking to Bob, he was like my heart sponsor. He would just like cut through all of that. And, you know, he'd be there with active listening and, and just like a lot of compassion and a lot of empathy. And we'd get through it together. Yeah. We got through it together. And that's a holy relationship, you know, someone that you can be all of yourself with. And you can be fully received without judgment. We need that. Yeah, we do. We need that. And sometimes it's not in our romantic relationship where we experience that. Of course, we're striving for that or we're wanting to create that in romantic relationship. But because romantic relationship activates so much of our attachment wounding and unresolved trauma, it's very hard to have that 100% of the time. Mm. And I think it's actually you know, unnecessary for us to have that 100% of the time in the relationship, because it does invite us into finding these connections outside of the relationship where all sorts of things can be held and processed in a healthy way. And it sounds like Bob is a really great friend. Bob rocks. <laughs> yeah, Bob rocks, you know, <laughs> and I have people like that in my life, too. And I'm so grateful for them. And, you know, I'm not going to stop being in relationship with them. You know, if I get into a romantic partnership, that's not how I function in the world. And I wouldn't want to function that way because it's kind of sad to think that you'd only have one person in your life that you could really deeply connect with or deeply show up with. And not only that, what happens when they're not available? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, if they have a, their own life is going to be a good portion of the time. Yeah. Work. You know, you can't just call your person up at work whenever you're feeling bummed. And (laughs) it's not realistic for them to shower you with attention when you're feeling down. Yeah. It's not. And sometimes I have shit I cannot pull myself from. Like I have other commitments. And if she came to me, I mean, of course, like I'll do what I can. But if I'm in the middle of a workshop, like it's not happening. Like we'll talk after. 
Yeah. And that's where we have to have, you know, multiple things that we can do, whether it's our own personal practice, you know, whatever that looks like, a teacher, a therapist that we can work with, and then the community, multiple people that we can connect to. Because sometimes we spiral out, you know, and we... (laughs) Sometimes? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and in relationship, when your attachment wounds are activated, that spiraling is super intense. Oh my God. (laughs) And you might need multiple friends in a day to talk to to help you get grounded or, you know remind you that you're actually okay you know and if you only have one friend who you're doing that with or one person you know that's a little taxing on that relationship and like you're saying they're not always going to be available i like to spread the load yeah (laughs) you know i just i have a lot of people that i can call a lot of people that i can call Mm -hmm. if i have to and i also i mean for me walking the dog is huge Mm-hmm. Like leaving the phone at home and walking the dog. Yeah. Just me and Roger for at least an hour. And we just go and we like, yeah, some, it, you know, the tears come up or I'll be in my head and yeah, I'll be in my head and in my thoughts and I'll be swirling, but I'm walking. Mm-hmm. I'm walking and I'm with Roger and he needs to walk too. And so we're doing that together. Yeah. It's like a, you know, it can change your state, even if it's a little bit, you know, getting outside of the rut. It's usually a lot. I mean, just Mm -hmm. fresh air and movement. My God. My God. It feels so good. And the love of your sweet dog. He needs to go outside (laughs) as well. He he loves it when I'm sad because I'll take extra long walks. Yeah. And I actually got a dog about eight months ago. And I will say that it's a huge life hack. You know, I was going to ask you when you got the dog. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's really nice because I do live alone and then I'm single. And so there's a lot of time that I spend alone in my house because I'm also an introvert. I love to read and write and, you know, watch a show every now and then and having a little buddy who, you know, I can cuddle and play with and and really like animals are great, especially dogs for co-regulating our nervous systems. So having a little friend to share life with is is really nice. I uh Got Roger five plus years ago after uh, after the end of another like short nine month relationship, you know, like the third in a row. Mm-hmm. And I went to the SPCA and you have to fill out an application. And on the application, it says reason for wanting to adopt. And I wrote companionship. Yeah. And then I started crying in the SPCA. Oh, because I, I realized like, oh, I mean, I, I'm lonely. I'm lonely and I'm, and I'm reaching out for something. And, and my God, I'm so grateful for that. Right. I mean, this guy's definitely changed my life for the better. Yeah. And it's so like, and I, I love your heart. You're so sweet. It's amazing. And, you know, it's so normal for humans to want companionship. Oh, we're social. <laughs> we're social. Yeah, animals. we're social animals. Right. And I remember, you know, the biggest loss when my long-term relationship came to an end was that loss of companionship. I remember coming to that where I was like, you know, the most painful part about it is losing my friend and losing the things that we used to do together as friends. That actually was the hardest piece of it. And so companionship is so important, you know, and it's it's a part of being here. And I think it's something that we can celebrate and find in ways that aren't just in a romantic context. What else can we do while we're on the subject of yeah? Well, we we you know we've already talked about community. We've talked about uh, looking inside, right? Doing the work. We've talked about companionship. We've talked about uh, ways of getting sexual needs met. Is there anything that was really 
pivotal or life-changing for you in this process? Yeah, I think the other thing was really getting in touch with service. And yeah, yeah. Service is so good. It's so important. It's, and a lot of people don't give it the credit that it's due. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because really what I found about service was that it got me out of my story. It got me out of my neuroticism and being obsessed with myself and my own little world of whatever pity and sadness I was stuck in. It was like the antidote to that. It was such a powerful antidote to that. And so, you know, service can look like so many things. At the time for me, it looked like giving back to my community. So my business partner and I, we actually started a in-person sisterhood and we ran that once a week and then we launched another one. And eventually that led to us developing the business that we now run together online But, you know, giving back to the community and being there for others was, oh my gosh, it was the best. And I highly recommend it. Volunteering just doesn't, doesn't get the credit that it deserves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really hard to go volunteer somewhere to people who have less than you do and to complain about the fact that you're single. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. Like most people are like, yeah. So I have reduced mobility or I'm like (laughs) living below the poverty line. You're like, yeah, but I'm single. You know, like it's, it's just also, it's inappropriate. It's an inappropriate place to vent and it gets you out of your head. Really? Like if you're, if you're willing to put your, your shit aside for an hour a week and help other people, it can be life-changing and you might meet other people as well. Yeah, and I think it gets us out of the story that we're alone in our suffering. Mm. Oh. You know, because I think that's one of the things that really keeps us there in it is feeling like our pain is special and that nobody could possibly understand. And it's just not true. And there's so many different forms of suffering in the world and sadness can arise and loss and grief can arise from so many different experiences. Mm. And being around others who are in that or who have experienced it, who've walked that path, can really help us to see that, okay, I'm human. This is normal. I'm not alone. And I'll get through this. Like, look at all of these people who are navigating things that, you know, might be similar to mine or even more challenging than mine. And I can give back to them and and by being there with them, they're inevitably giving back to me. You know, we're sharing the human experience and so much healing can come from that. Yeah, I volunteer. I'm taking a break right now, but I work for a bike shop, hmm. volunteer bike co-op where we help people fix their bikes. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. And I like fixing bikes. So it's like, of course, you know, if you can find something that you like to do because it makes it easier to show up. But this is part of a larger organization that that does like a Meals on Wheels service to people who have who are like tend to isolate because of they have reduced mobility issues. Mm -hmm. And so one of their missions is to break the isolation of other people, right? Because every day they get uh, they get a meal delivered to them. So the the volunteers that deliver the meals help by breaking the isolation. You get to like chat with them with the clients and ask them how they're doing. And like sometimes they invite you in for tea, right? So there's like Mm -hmm. social aspect built in. And the mission, one of their missions is to help break social isolation for the clients. But it turns out that a lot of the people that volunteer, it helps break their social isolation as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I went there when I was new in Montreal where I didn't have many friends. I didn't know anybody. I was 
it was just me and Roger. It was kind of sad and it's really hard to start over. And I found, you know, I found some of my people there. And I got, you know, I, I was like of service. I felt useful. I had a thing to do every Wednesday, every Thursday, whatever. And I felt really useful. There was other people that were like me. Yeah. And look at that. It, it brought you into a community, which is one of those three things that we talked about. And, you know, you, you found a connection to other people who were also being of service. You found a connection to people who maybe you would have never encountered in life. You probably would have never encountered those people, right? Ugh. And so it's like, I'm, I can imagine the stories that you have, you know, of the magic of connection and of meeting people outside of your sphere, right? Because when we get outside of our box, there's so much we can learn. And you never know when you're going to meet that special someone. Mm-hmm. It's true. You never know the, the way in which you're going to connect with that person. Yeah. And I think opening ourselves up to the possibility of that is by really leaning into love right now, right? So leaning into what we love, leaning into community, leaning into, leaning into relationships and, you know, doing what we're passionate about. If we're engaging in activities that bring us a sense of purpose, of joy, of connection, then we're surrounding ourselves in that. And wouldn't it be amazing to meet someone who's also putting themselves in those situations? Boom. Yeah. <laughs> and also like the timing, we never know the timing. And that's part of the surrender too, is just trusting that, you know, if you're single now, that's great. And if you're in relationship now, that's great. And it will come when it's meant to come. Did you, are you listening to your own message? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you said, oh yeah, you said, did you just say when or if? When. You yeah, said well, when. So earlier in the conversation, you said if. Yeah, I mean, when, if, ah, uh, those are two. <laughs> if, <laughs> if is like, it's like yes or no. When is like just a matter of time, for sure. And and this is the thing is, you know, to be clear, I don't, I don't actually know if a relationship will come or not. And that is part of my work is really getting comfortable with not knowing, yeah, with not having an answer, and being fully surrendered to whatever life brings me, and trusting that what life brings me is actually in relationship to what I'm really committed to. And I'm deeply, deeply committed to my awakening. And so I see what's happening in my life in service to that. And, you know, of course, I sometimes have my own agenda, and I want something different than what is here. And I push against life. And, you know, maybe I fantasize about this beautiful tantric union with this amazing man who's also on the path, of course, you know, that's normal. And I'm also working on re like releasing and relinquishing my attachment to any of that. Sometimes I'm fully in that and I'm just at peace and sometimes I'm not. All of it's okay. <laughs> I just, I love this, this like idea that when we rebel against the universe and we go, no, 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 I got this one. <laughs> Let me just take care of this. The results are often quite lackluster. Yeah. Like it's just like forcing has never really worked. Like I, I'm never fully satisfied when I force to get something and finally get it. It just doesn't feel good. You know, like I feel like I kind of stole it. Yeah. And it usually doesn't actually fit. You know, you realize down the road that that's not actually 
what works, you know, or what you did actually even want. It's what you thought you wanted. You know, I read this book recently, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people know about this writer, um, The Surrender Experiment and the Untethered Soul, Michael A. Singer. Oh, yeah. I had never read his books before, but a friend of mine recommended The Surrender Experiment. And the whole book basically is upon the premise of surrendering to life, surrendering to the flow of what's happening and really trusting and letting go and and not having such a strong agenda, releasing that control, releasing meaning to know what's going to happen and how much beauty and amazing things can actually come, like miracles can occur when you let go mm. and let life come to you and trust what's showing up. And I think part of that, you know, might even just be how we relate to it, how we perceive it. We're more open to it rather than in resistance to it. So we experience it differently. I'm all about letting go. Yeah. It's hard to do in practice at first, but you get better at it. Absolutely. I, I live in a constant state of letting it go and then taking it back. Letting it go and taking it back. And I just have to remember, like everything's a little bit smoother when I just take my hands off the steering wheel. Yeah. And let the universe give me what I need, not necessarily what I want. Yeah. And I think to be clear in that too, sometimes when people hear that, they think like, oh, so I should just not have boundaries or I should not have values. And absolutely not. That's not what we're saying here. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because I think sometimes these, these spiritual concepts can be confused and they can be confused when we take away having self-worth, you know, when we are giving ourselves away or we're not, you know, honoring who we are. And that is not something I would ever suggest. So yes, let go, surrender, but also have boundaries. Also know what feels good and what doesn't. Be clear on what your values are. Be willing to communicate your needs. These are all things that come into play with also surrendering to life. <laughs> it's funny, as you were saying that, you know, the surrendering, I was like, okay, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna let go of you know, the importance of sharing that you should have your needs and your <laughs> and your boundaries. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let go and flow with it, see what happens. Yeah. So glad that you brought it up. Yeah. And and the thing is is that sometimes when I I've noticed in my experience of of writing and sharing these concepts is that when I don't acknowledge that piece of it, it can be very activating for people and I can get a lot of pushback. And that in and of itself is a teaching for me in surrender and letting go and letting people be angry at me or project onto me or assume that I would ever suggest that someone, you know, stay in an abusive dynamic or not have boundaries. It's just so far from the truth of what I would ever say, but letting go of needing to be seen a certain way letting go of needing to be liked or perceived as, you know, loving or kind, even that is a practice in and of itself. And letting go of what you think your life is going to look like. Mm -hmm. I think that that one for me is huge. Letting go of what I think my relationship is going to look like, what the person that I'm in love with is going to do, say, feel, whatever. Like letting go of all that that doesn't, that isn't real in, in the present moment. Yeah. And I think that again, and I love that you're saying this again, because it's so important for us to come back to what is it that I actually want to be, think, feel and experience? What am I truly committed to? What really matters to me? You know, what is that? What, what fills my soul with happiness and peace and radiance? And when we're clear on that, it's so much easier to connect with people and to know whether someone's a fit, right? Mm. So for me, it's like, 
I'm, I'm really, as I mentioned before, I'm really committed to my awakening. And so I'm open to whatever serves that, you know, I might have an idea of what serves that. I, I, like I said, it might be this idea that I'm going to meet someone who's just as committed as me and on the path. And, and maybe it looks like that and maybe it doesn't, but I won't know until it arrives. But obsessing about it isn't useful. I can just refocus my energy and attention on my path and, and my work and, you know, my commitments. And if you don't know what you want or need, how could you possibly recognize it when it's sitting in front of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people haven't done that work yet because their whole identity is built around who they think that they need to be or who their family taught them they should be or what society has told them they need to be in order to be loved, right? Mm -hmm. And so being single is like this amazing opportunity to go, okay, what's actually true for me? Who am I really? What do I actually want? Mm -hmm. What actually makes me happy? What am I holding on to that isn't true? that isn't serving me? What can I let go of? You could literally have a little note on your phone. And whenever you come into contact with or are reminded of something that brings you joy or happiness, or you realize you have a moment of clarity around what you want or you need, what kind of relationship, what kind of structure, you write it down. Mm-hmm. You've got a little notes app. This is what I want. This is what I need. These are the things that scare me doesn't have to be any more complicated than that, you know, because I feel like this concept of like, uh, how big is your dog, by the way? <laughs> yeah, you heard him shake again. He's 12 pounds. Okay. He's a chihuahua whip it cross and he really wants my attention. <laughs> big ears? Big ears? Yeah. Big ears. Oh, yeah, that's that's what we're hearing. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole like, what do you want? What do you need thing can be sort of a big question, but it doesn't have to be. It could just be jotting notes down on your phone mm-hmm. around things that make you feel good, things that don't make you feel good. So you can get a better idea of what it is that you want and need. Yeah. And also being open to the possibility that you can actually have that. I think that's also something that is really challenging for people is that, you know, they, they know what they want and they need, but they don't think that they're worthy of it. Mm. So then of course they get into relationship and they're kind of like, all right, I'll take whatever I can get because, you know, I'm, I'm desperately afraid of being alone. So I'd rather be with someone, even if that means that it's not a healthy relationship or my needs aren't met. So you know, again, really working on developing a healthier relationship to self, recognizing your inherent worthiness. I've also found, you know, doing doing inner child work is really helpful for that because when we're seeing ourselves in that innocent state as a child, we're much less likely to, you know, be mean towards ourselves or Mm. think that we are worthy of anything other than love, tenderness, kindness, compassion, care from ourselves. So that is a really amazing hack for getting into a place of honoring the self. Love hacks. Yeah, love hacks. Love Love hacks by Heather P. Yeah. I love the inner child. I have a little photo of me as a five-year-old leaning on a maple syrup bucket um, on my altar. And when I meditate, I meditate to the little child and like I like shower that little child with love. Yeah. Because I, you know, I, I deserve all that stuff. Everything I you want, do. I deserve it. Yes, we all do. Right. And, and that's the beauty of the inner child. And even, you know, this process of being a kid and becoming an adult, we have this memory, this connection to this innocent part of us, you know, and I have a photo up of my inner child too. It's on my fridge. So I see it every day. 
And it's just such a healthy reminder to remember that, you know, inside of us, inside of this adult with all of these stories and identities and all of that. Oh, yeah. My my dog walker is here to pick up my dog. <laughs> oh, nice. Do you have to do a thing real quick? Um, She's just going to take him and then leave. So it'll just be a few minutes and then we can continue. Yeah, we can wrap it up. All right. So where were we? We were talking about um, inner child stuff. We were Love just, that. we were interrupted <laughs> by the dog walker. You're going to show me your inner child. I'm going to show you my inner child. Yes. And I think that we're going to wrap this up. Yeah. And and on that note too, with the inner child, um, we actually have a free inner child meditation at Rising Woman. So we can include a link to that download so that people can get access to the inner child meditation that Shalina and I do ourselves that people can dive into and explore if they've never explored that before. Um, yeah. So we're going to add that into the show notes. Yeah. So that people can do the inner child meditation so that yeah, I can do yeah. the inner child meditation. Yeah. Um, you have some programs that are a good fit for folks that are listening to this episode right now. Yes, absolutely. So we've been talking a lot about figuring out, you know, who am I? What do I want? What are my values? Preparing yourself for a relationship. And we have a program called Becoming the One, which takes people through that exploration process. It also helps you to become more comfortable with being single and also get more clear on what you want if you're in relationship. So that's a four-week program. Um, it's really jam-packed with a lot of wisdom and amazing insights and nuggets for people. And we walk people through, socially, and my business partner and I, we walk people through the exact steps that we have taken in our own life that have been effective for us and for those that we've shared those teachings and lessons with. So that's there. And then there's also the program called Heal Your Relationships. Now that one's a little bit deeper. It's an eight-week program versus a four-week program. And there's a lot of really deep explorations into family systems work, past trauma, shadow work, what is a conscious relationship, and we include some somatic practices in there. So those two programs are really amazing if you're struggling in relationship to yourself or in relationship to others and you want to improve your relationships in every area of your life. Mm, that's awesome. Thank you so much for providing that. Yeah, of course. Where can we find you? So there's two places. Um, my personal Instagram account is at Hey Heather Obscura. Um, and then Rising Woman. So at Rising Woman. And Instagram is really the place where, you know, I'm sharing most of my writing and, and content right now. It's just the easiest platform. So those two places are a great place to go. And there's links to all of the other offerings through there. So I'd suggest heading there to find me. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Are you ready for your final question? Yeah, I am. What does love mean to you? Mm. Love means to me no time, no form, no space, ceaseless compassion. Love is actually a feeling. It's like an energy and I've, I've been in it before. And it's actually in many ways hard to describe in words. But when I came out of being in love and embodying love, I realized that everything was okay. And that all of my striving for things, for relationships, for status, it was all just a story. And that right now in this moment, I am love. That is my embodiment. That is my being. And it is enduring and ceaseless and beautiful and radiant and just so amazing. Mm. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. I love that. Every answer is always different and they're all so beautiful in their own unique ways. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you for your wisdom and for sharing so openly. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for spending this hour with me and Heather today. All of the links that we talk about in this episode are in the show notes. And you can find Heather on Instagram at Hey Heather Obscura. And you can find me on Instagram at The Love Drive. And as a reminder, the Healthy Communication Workshop starts April 9th. It's $125 for three one hour live Zoom meetings. And when you sign up, I ask you some questions and I take those answers and I incorporate them into the workshop. Go to thelovedrive.com forward slash healthy communication. And if you want to be part of the Lovebird Club and you're not already, we would welcome you with open arms. Go to thelovedrive.com forward slash the Lovebird Club and have a beautiful week. (laughs) 